Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. We're going to talk about Fruit of the Spirit Part 2. And if you're thinking, I don't remember Part 1, uh, that's because it was in the 10 a.m. service this morning. And so if you would like to catch up on uh, any of those, you can look at the YouTube channel or the podcast and... Um, and that would be fantastic. But this afternoon, I'm bringing Fruit of the Spirit Part 2. And I'd love us if we could, I'd love it if we could read out this verse together. Are you ready? We're going to put it on the screen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Do you have 22, Gracie, at all? How about I read it to you? Oh, there it is. Okay, one, two, three. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Pause. I need 100% buy-in. Let's go again. One, two, three. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against these things. There is no law. Well done, everybody. You knew the next verse off by heart. Well done. Well, we've set up this mini-series talking about how fruit is developed um, rather than given. And I used the example this morning of fruit of your loins, which is a great example and doesn't make anyone feel awkward. Um, but it, essentially, there's a union that happens that then there is fruit that comes out. If there was a stalk, then that would be a gift that is given to parents, but that's not what happens. Sorry to blow the lid on that one for you, but actually there's a union that happens and then children um, are grown from that. And we looked at love and joy. Love, the fact that we should love people and and how we love people is by laying down our lives for them because love does and uh, who we should love is everybody and and how when we should love is always and um, we thanked Bob Goff for that but the fruit of the spirit is love which is God produced given to us love given to us produced in us and outworked through us to the world around us and we lay down our lives for others we talked about joy how joy is not just a laughy person that you know is super funny and optimistic and skips everywhere like Luke um, but is more like um, just this response to God's goodness in our lives that that we can choose joy we can choose to actually stand in the sun or in a shadow and as we choose to stand in the sun that we we, we respond to God's goodness in our lives and it just perpetuates itself, which brings us to faithfulness and self-control. Now, I know most of you know the fruit of the Spirit off by heart and you're like, that's not next, Brunt. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control and you would be right. But I thought I would leave peace and patience for next mor- Sunday morning because it's Mother's Day and I feel like peace and patience is really relevant for mums and all of us. And then I thought, well, yep, actually gentleness and um, what else was I going to do? Self-control uh, next Sunday PM because I feel like that's a trait that mums need as well, but also all of us. And so today we're going to cover kindness and goodness and maybe faith. We'll see how we go. So kindness, what does kindness look like to you? If you think about kindness, what is it? Is it like an elderly grandmother? I was fortunate enough to have three grandmothers and one of them was the quintessential grandma that everyone wants. She was plump, um, so she was really good to cuddle and she gave you anything you wanted. You'd go to her house and, you know, you'd get some toast and your dad would say, that's too much butter and 
um, grandma would say, oh, hush, Malcolm, <laughs> let them have all the butter they want. And so it was, it was, she was like that, that beautiful, kind grandma. Is that what springs to mind when you think of quiet, kindness? What, what do you think of? Um, is that the kind of, is that what kindness means as it relates to the fruit of the Spirit? And let me give you a story. A man and a wife were walking along a street and there was a man by the side of the road who looked rough. He looked, um, you know, like he'd, he'd had a rough life. He had, it looked like all his belongings were in a blue, red and white checked um, bag next to him. He had a box on the other side and on top of the box was a cage and in the cage was a rat. And the man on the side of the road was feeding chips, McDonald's chips, to his rat. And he had a burger in one hand and feeding chips in the other. And as they walked past, the wife looked at him in utter disdain. He looked like he was cranky anyway. He looked like he didn't want anyone to talk to him or be with him. He looked like, get away from me, and, and had this scowl on his face. And the woman looked at him in disdain and thought, you, there's no way that anyone in our country would be homeless unless it was their choice. And it's bad enough that he's homeless, but he's also keeping that disgusting, filthy animal. And she was horrified and disgusted and walked past. The husband looked at him and thought, oh my goodness, like what kind of life must that man have had? And his heart immediately went out to him and he looked at him and he walked and he was like, oh man, I just, I feel for that man so much. I'm going to pray for him. And their lunch hour being over, they went to their respective jobs for the rest of the afternoon. So which of the two were kind? Who showed the kindness? Well, as we'll see, neither of them. Because kindness shows we show kindness, and kindness has to show up somehow. Kindness, in a, as a fruit of the Spirit, shows up when it's needed. And so we say show kindness, and it should be seen. The word kindness in the original Greek is kreistotes, and it means that it is serviceable. It, it means that it meets a real need. It actually meets a need in God's way, in God's timing. It's moral goodness and integrity that shows up. It's useful. It's a deed. It becomes, it goes from being an adjective into being a verb. Kindness should be, as a fruit of the Spirit, a doing word, not a descriptive word. So we've got a scripture um, tonight, James chapter 2, verse 14. And it's going to come up on the screen. It says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. And you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that actually do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. And verse 22 says this, you see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Now, obviously, that's talking about faith and works. But if you look at the definition for kindness, it has the same principle. It works the same way. Kindness, kindness is only kindness if, it is, if it's evidenced. And you know this if you've ever been through something or if you've ever had a need, that people can be really kind to you. People can come to church and, and talk to you on a Sunday and they can be super kind. But then none of that shows up anywhere else and, and you kind of feel like, oh, well, well, that was really nice of them to talk to me, but, but I, I have a need and who's going to come and help me like, meet that need? I feel like they kind of were like, well, all the best. God bless you. Stay warm. Out you go. And so we need to actually have it show up in our lives. We also need to understand that kindness is powerful. 
Kindness has more of an impact than we can possibly realize. Listen to this verse in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Another version of this says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And we understand this because when someone shows up with judgment, we're like up your nose with a rubber hose. We're like, we, we are not interested at all when someone shows up with judgment. But when someone shows up with kindness, our heart is more open to them. And as we show up to ki- with kindness to the people in our lives, it leads them to somewhere that we have. Kindness is powerful. You might be like me. Maybe you gave your heart to Jesus because you were just flat out scared of going to hell. Um, but it was his gentle kindness that made me turn from my ways. My, my, my fear of what might happen after I die led me to surrender to him. But then it was his kindness in my life that changed me gradually and his bearing with me that changed me gradually. And I think that that would probably be the case for most of us here today. So let me ask you a question. Let me uh, allow God some room to show you the answer to these questions today. Where can you show kindness? today. So let me say it again with a different emphasis. Where can you show kindness today? Where have you neglected kindness? To whom can you show kindness? And these are all very ethereal until we ask this question, how will you show kindness? Where will you allow kindness to cost you? God will put you in situations where he wants you to be kind And um, so this afternoon, I wonder if we can pray this simple prayer together. It's going to come up on the screen. It, It says, Lord, give me the courage to see things differently and the irresistible urge to respond to what I see. And so um, I'm just going to give 10 seconds just between you and God. Maybe you want to pray that prayer right now. I'm going to switch to the next fruit now, which is goodness. And Phoebe, I'm just going to ask you if you can turn the lights on because it's like 4.30, but it feels like 8.30. And Sarah's falling asleep because she has a newborn. All right. Oh, wow. You should see you guys under fluorescent lights. <laughs> Life hasn't been kind to you guys. <laughs> just kidding. All right. Let's put this next slide up on the board. Uh, goodness on the screen. Sorry. Goodness. Um, Katie, can we go back one, if you got it, maybe you didn't get it, where it's got all of them listed? Nope. Oh, good. Okay. So goodness. This word goodness appears only three times in the New Testament, only three times in the whole Bible and then nowhere else in literature, to, in history. But we'll still have a, a, a brief look at it today. Goodness. Agathosune. Agathosune, that's the Greek word. And it's from the root word agathos. The name Agatha means good. Anyone called Agatha here today? Anyone want to name their child Agatha? I'm sure you do. Um, Because it's funny, because Agatha doesn't sound good, (laughs) does it? Oh, sorry, if your name is Agatha. But Agatha Trunchbull in Matilda, she was awful. And um, so she locked people in a cupboard, like the hokey pokey or whatever it was called. Um, So the what? To chokey, the chokey, see? Awful. Um, but uh, it means good. And so I hope you've got a better experience with Agatha's than Roald Dahl clearly did. But goodness, it, this is talking about the kind of good that is intrinsically in us. 
So in order for that to be the, the case, because the Bible says that it quotes the Old Testament where it says there's no one good, not even one. This is part of the realization that we have in order to follow Jesus is that actually we're not enough. There's, we'd say, oh, but I'm a really good person. You're not good enough. None of us are good enough. And so if we're talking about goodness, that's a fruit of the Spirit of Him being in us. It's His goodness in action through us. So goodness and kindness go hand in hand. Kindness without goodness could be manipulative. If Phoebe goes out and helps someone on the street today in the expectation that they're going to write a praise report about how great Phoebe is, and you've got to watch her, she puts fake praise reports in all the time about how good she is. (laughs) Without goodness, without an intrinsic goodness, it could have an ulterior motive. But goodness without kindness is impotent. It's not making a difference. So the Septuagint, which is the earliest translation of the Old Testament from Hebrew to Greek, it contains the word goodness, but it only ever attributes that word to God. It will never refer to a person with that word goodness. And so that's incredible because we don't live in the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament where we've surrendered our lives to Jesus, where the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in us. And it says that we, as we're vitally connected to Him, we're actually able to bear the fruit of goodness, God's character in us. It's a privilege. So what is the litmus test of this goodness? How do we self-assess if we're bearing this fruit of the Spirit? One way is through our actions whether or not kindness is showing up in our lives. But the second way is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 43 to 45. It says this, this is Jesus talking, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart for out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So we can see how the fruit of goodness is going on in our lives about, around what actually is coming out of our mouth. That's a way of testing it. Our speech will tell us what kind of fruit we're bearing. And so if you're someone that is constantly gossiping and full of negativity or even full of profanity or full of just dirty talk, then that is coming up out of the fruit that you're bearing and that you're producing. In the same way that a grapevine doesn't produce cat heads, though in Tamworth it probably could, feels like everywhere in Tamworth produces cat heads, and a noxious weed doesn't produce beautiful fruit. If we're cultivating the fruit of goodness, then beautiful speech should follow. Positive speech, speech that builds people up, speech that gives life. Here is a well-known scripture. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's a simple fruit-bearing test. No one really wants to be considered religious anymore, but this word means to fear God, to revere God, to consider Him holy. And if we would say that we consider God holy, then that should show up in the way that we speak. And isn't it true? I don't know about you. I'm someone who's wrestled with my mouth. I wrestle with the stuff that comes out of my mouth, depending on who I'm around. Um, When I was um, a teenager, it was lying and swearing. That was the biggest thing for me. When I was in my 20s, it was gossip. When I was in my 30s, it was probably under some veil of trying to do the right thing or say the right thing that was actually, you know, not always helpful. 
now that I'm 63, I'm actually excellent with my speech. But, but it's saying, but isn't it true that when you're willing to let something come out of your mouth that, that is not good, that you just lost your fear of God a little bit, that you've just lost your reverence for God a little bit? Yeah, thank you for nodding and helping me out, people. Yeah, kindness in speech and also action. So let's make sure we get this point about our speech. Um, James chapter 3, verse 9 to 12, it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. So out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. I just want to tell you that when that comes out of our mouths, when this duplicitousness comes out of our mouths, then, then we actually find ourselves an untrustworthy person. It's really, it's something that maybe we want to appear interesting to the people that are around us. But what ends up happening is that we find ourselves untrustworthy. People can't trust us when we're duplicitous like that. And um, duplicitous means like double-tongued, I guess. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring Produce fresh water. James is kind of reiterating what Jesus was talking about. Is your speech portraying that beautiful connection to the vine? If people were to listen to the way that you speak about your spouse, would they say, wow, that's a person who's bearing good fruit in their lives? If people were to hear you talk about your boss, would they say, wow, that's a person who's really got a control on their tongue? If people were to hear you talk about your church, about your children, would, would that flow from someone who's connected to God? Our speech flows out of what is intrinsically in us. But don't feel condemned if you're like, Ooh. <laughs> if I'm to do an inventory on what's coming out of my mouth, not good, not okay. Just use that as information. That, that's just information for you of, okay, there's some work to do here. Um, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says that there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't go all, oh man, I'm a horrible person. Just go, right, we're fixing this, Lord. I'll just submit it to you again. Thank you for the new mercies that are free for me today. Let's not feel condemned. All right. In the few minutes that we've got left. The next fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness, is... As opposed to goodness, which is used only three times, this one's used 243 times in the New Testament. Uh, It's only translated once as faithfulness, and really it should be translated as the other 242 times, which is faith. This fruit of the Spirit is faith, full of faith. And and it, it is something that is a gift from God, but is worked in us. It's produced, it can't be produced by us. You know, this is a tricky thing is that you might hear some people talk about this person didn't get healed. Oh, okay, well, the people around them didn't have enough faith. Faith is produced by God in us and outworked through us. Uh, It's not just belief. You can't drum up faith. Belief, you can, you know, oh, I'm believing for that. And you can have a really positive attitude, but faith is born of God. So does God, this is a question, does God share his glory with anyone? No. Anyone got a different, don't, don't, because it's in the Bible. He doesn't share his glory with anyone, so don't yell out. He doesn't share his glory with anyone. So if that's the case, let's look at these scriptures. In Matthew 9, 22, Mark 5, 34, and Luke 8, 30, 48, we read about a woman who's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And she says to herself, if I can just get through this crowd, and if I can just make it to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment, then I'll be healed. 
And Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now, how can he say your faith has healed you? He healed her. Her faith didn't heal her because God birthed that faith in her. She just appropriated it. She just, she responded to the faith that she had and went, I'm going to go for Jesus and I'm going to go and I'm going to trust and believe him. This is a conundrum. This is a mystery for us. But what you need to know is if at any time you've been made feel bad because you didn't have the faith for somebody to get healed, that's not true. God isn't like, oh no, nope, sorry. Uh, They didn't have enough faith, so I will kill that person now or I will let them die. God doesn't work like that. There's nowhere else. He has a sovereign plan that he's outworking constantly. And so if you've ever been made feel bad for not having enough faith, that is not someone who is speaking on God's behalf. But yet there is still this mystery of us believing and, and God birthing faith in us. It's always a gift from God. It's a mystery, but we're going to keep trying to understand it. In Matthew 15, 28, a woman asked Jesus to deliver her daughter, but she's not a Jew. And the good news of Jesus hasn't yet gone out to the Gentiles. So he's a Canaanite woman. And, and, and Jesus says something really strange. Uh, he says, um, I'm not coming to be with the dogs. And uh, this woman says, well, Jesus, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. I'll take the crumbs. Now, there's a whole lot of historical context to that and the way they use that phrase dogs is not the same way that we use that phrase. And if you do use a phrase, you're a dog, you need to work some goodness in your life because that's not good coming out of your mouth. Um, but he says to her, woman, you have great faith. He makes this statement and, and she says, well, I'll take the crumbs if I need to. And he says, woman, you've got great faith. And it's the same word that's used in the fruit of the Spirit because she's willing to believe that even the slightest crumb from his table will completely deliver and heal her. She trusts so much in who he is. Um, Same with blind Bartimaeus. He says, your faith has healed you. Uh, And then he also says to a woman, your faith has saved you. So if you're wondering... If you're just worried about someone, a relative maybe or whatever, and they haven't, you know, they haven't prayed the sinner's prayer. And so I'm not sure if they're actually saved. If they've got the kind of faith that worships God, like sometimes we just need to blow the lid off our understanding a little bit. This woman came and, and she got down on the floor to a man who had been walking through the dirt in bare feet and she anoints him and then she wipes his feet with her hair. And, and Jesus says, your faith has saved you. And, and, and Luke was there. And Luke said, oh, no, no, Jesus, she didn't pray the sinner's prayer. I did not see that hand. There was no hand. She didn't raise it. And, uh, and she didn't repeat after me. So she can't possibly be saved. Let's just, let's just blow the roof off our understanding a little bit. We don't, need, we don't have all the answers of how Jesus saves people. You know, um, I think it was... No, not Nicodemus, Zacchaeus. He gave half his money to the poor. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to your house. Why? Because he had faith to respond to the good news about Jesus Christ. Jesus is impressed by faith, but he is the one who first births that faith in us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So he's, he's generating faith in us and it's just up to us to outwork that faith. How are we going to do it? How are you going to, and it's not if you can shout loud when you pray, and it's not if you've got the faith to fast a lot longer than anyone else, that's probably just self-control and good on you for that. But 
faith is something that's birthed in us and then we just keep taking the next step to believe for something, to believe for what God calls us to believe for, to believe who he is, to believe what he said he will do and that when we see something not happen the way that we wanted it to, that we keep believing that he will do what he said he will do. So often our faith gets rocked, doesn't it, by our experience. And so the question is, will we get up tomorrow and will we let faith arise in our heart again and will we go again? And I wonder if Jesus were to ask you that question. Sure, experience has rocked your faith, but will you go again tomorrow? Will you get up again tomorrow? Will you let faith rise in your heart again tomorrow? What would your answer be to him? So let us pray. Let's pray for these three things, goodness, kindness, and faith. First of all, Lord, we do just ask that we would have the kind of kindness that shows up, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would adjust our schedules, Lord, that we'd adjust our way of thinking and align them to your priorities, Lord. Lord, you, you want us to look after ourselves. You want us to take care of ourselves. You want us to not wear ourselves out. So, Lord, I pray that this kindness that you want us to show would be a fruit of your spirit because that kind of fruit is sustainable, Lord. If we're operating in your ways and the way that you want us to, then, Lord, that kind of fruit is sustainable and, and we won't burn out. Lord, I pray, Lord, for your goodness, Lord, in our hearts. I pray that, Lord, it would, it would start in our hearts and it would come out. And, and Lord, I pray when, when we're saying things that are dodgy, Lord, I pray that Holy Spirit would just come and remind us that that is not what you want to birth in us. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't get dragged down into condemnation and feel like we're nothing and we're terrible Christians or anything like that. But you just remind us, Lord, that, that we can give this another crack and have another go. Lord, let, let goodness arise in our hearts. Let goodness be the fruit that's cultivated in our hearts by the way that we speak, Lord. And Lord, we just pray for faith. Lord, all of us have had disappointments. All of us have thought things were going to turn out a certain way and then they haven't. So Lord, we pray that this faith would be fruit in our lives, that we, that we would have this raised up in us, that Lord, we would exercise the muscle of faith, that we would continue to believe you for your good things to happen in, in our world and in this life in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for that you're willing to, to make this fruit happen in our lives. We, we look at it and go, wow, there's no way we could do that on our own. And we need you, Holy Spirit, to continue to cultivate that in our lives. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.